Hello, Barry here again, and welcome to this edition of my podcast. This episode, I'm going to be talking about three ways to stop an argument. Uh, Actually, far more than three ways, but the title was the working title that I came up with originally. I've written quite a lot on stopping arguments and put some stuff out on YouTube. But I figure as we come to what is purported to be the busiest time of year for marital splits, or so the divorce listers uh, tell us, coming up after the new year. Um, And I feel very strongly that it can be avoided. Uh, There are a number of reasons for avoiding arguing if you can, and I'll be covering those. I'll also be talking about three things you can do together, uh, which are the most important ones in the relationship. But arguably, five other things you personally can do yourself to ease the pain and eventually help your relationship. And I think if people were to do these five things, there wouldn't be so much arguing in long-term relationships and short-term for that matter too. But I'm talking mainly about life partners here and people who expected or expected to spend time with their partner and they find that somehow there are too many bumps in the road and they just don't think they're going to be able to hack it together. So let's start by recognising arguing for what it is. It's an immature, stress-driven, smokescreen, a waste of time and worst of all, highly destructive to your relationship. Of course, it's a an emotionally driven exercise. It's driven, if you like, by instinct or survival. And when we understand some of these things, it makes it easier to deal with in ourselves. Uh, There's a little caveat here. Some people say that arguing clears the air. Um, I've had that a lot in training workshops and seminars over the years, phone-ins. You know, oh yeah, yeah, but, um, you know, good argument clears the air. Well, absolutely. If your arguments help clear the air, and you both agree that arguing is a helpful exercise to you both, then stick with it if you like. But please consider too that there may be a better way. On the surface, it might seem that arguments are the biggest cause of relationship breakdown. They certainly contribute. But they're generally a harmful symptom rather than the cause of any breakdowns. And by the way, repeated behaviour like arguing simply reinforces the habit. In other words, the more you argue, the more it becomes your default position, the easier it is to access that habit. Think about this when you're in love, when you were in love, if you can remember those times. Everything was rosy. It was very hard to be unpleasant to your partner and it promoted loving feelings and it promoted loving behaviour. Well, hurtful and hateful thoughts do the same thing in the opposite direction. So repeating the behaviour, whatever it is, simply makes it easier to access. And destructive arguing is something that you really want to get a handle on to be able to control because it doesn't show you up as a good li- in a good light personally and it does your relationship harm. Now a lot of people say at this point, yes, but it's not me, it's my partner, they're always arguing. Well, it takes two to start an argument, only it takes one to stop it. 
And if there are things wrong in the relationship that need addressing, that need sorting out, even if you are eventually going to split, isn't it better to do it civilly for your own well-being, for your own levels of stress and your own functioning, rather than going hammer and tongs at each other, hurt, in pain, insulting, demeaning, and trying to put down the other person and win something which is actually unwinnable. So as I said, destructive arguing has some common patterns. Recognising these patterns is the first step to breaking free from them. And the first of these is we rehash the past. You can't change the past, so why keep bringing it up? Staying stuck in the past prevents you from enjoying the present and it stops you moving forward. If there is something in the past that needs sorting out, it needs sorting out, that's fine. Shouting isn't the way to do it. A second point, second common pattern in domestic disputes is not being present. It's easy to zone out during an argument. We all do it. And in fact, that's part of the problem. I won't go into the deeper psychology of this at the moment, but you effectively go into your own bubble where you're no longer hearing the other person and you're being driven by a primitive form of instinct to attack, 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 defend yourself and attack, rather than actually being present in the conversation. You get into this, we've been here before and here we go again cycle puts you both on into a trance, puts you both on edge, and you can't really pay attention to each other. If you notice this happening, pull yourself out of it. Calm down, and when you have, have a proper grown-up conversation where you can each give the other your full attention. Every relationship has its taboos. These are hot topics that become no-go areas because you don't feel safe discussing them. But, either because they do get mentioned or because they're lying just below the surface, these unmentionable subjects cause arguments. The fourth pattern is cross-complaining. This is so common and so pointless, but most people don't spot that they're doing it. Cross-complaining happens when one of you mentions a grievance, and instead of responding by listening and discussing it, the other person flings back a, a counter-complaint about something unrelated to the original complaint. You always leave wet towels on the floor might be answered with, well, you never help me clear the table when we've eaten in the evening, and so forth. Either way, it's not going to take you anywhere but into an increasingly escalating conversation or else pulling apart and sulking, stonewalling, or worst case scenario, somebody walks out and slams a door. And the fifth common pattern is feeling unheard. Really, this could be number one. Listening effectively is the first step to effective communication. Feeling unheard is also the main cause of people yelling at each other. Think about it for a moment. There's no need to shout if you know the other person is hearing you. But when we sense that we're not being heard, our voice begins to get a little higher, we begin to speak a little more loudly, a little faster, and you know the rest. The way to break that cycle is, of course, by listening, and I'll talk about that in a moment. When you feel as if you have to win the argument, or you're competing with each other to be heard, you're already heading for a dead end. Break the pattern, 
learn to listen effectively and do yourself and your relationship a huge favour. So I mentioned at the beginning there are five things you personally can do, never mind the other person. These are ideas that have personal responsibility written all over them. First thing to do is to understand that there are some repeating patterns, because inevitably there are, and if possible, thinking about what they are. When you see what a pattern is, you can change it. For example, maybe you tend to argue when you've both had a hard day at work, or perhaps something about how you're raising the children always causes a, a dispute. Whatever this pattern is, whatever cycle of dispute you get into, maybe it's a raised eyebrow or a, a sigh, avoid the risky times and discuss these patterns when it's not an issue. All couples have these patterns, so there's no need to feel bad about them. The responsible thing is to understand the flashpoints and to do something about the patterns that cause them. Changing the time, the place or the words that you use can all be ways of breaking a pattern. And while I'm on it, by the way, um, it's really worth considering your own tone of voice, your own behaviour. How do you think you look and sound to the other person? Because it can be extremely distressing if your tone of voice is a bit harsh or the inflection in your words, the emphasis and that type of thing is actually irritating or winding the other person up. Although it's an instinctive way of responding, it's worth being self-aware enough to monitor your own behaviour. So maybe that's a, a sixth thing you can do. Either way, I've said there are five here, so I'll continue with that. A second constructive thing you can do is to stay rooted in the present. Instead of switching into those thought patterns that dredge up the past, focus on the here and now. Now, you can learn this from all sorts of practices like meditation, like being aware of your own breathing, simply by listening effectively. If your partner insists on going over old grievances, call a halt to the conversation and politely walk away. Now, I know that can be seen as inflammatory, but if you've previously explained that you're not walking away from the argument, you're walking away from the way you're discussing it. And you will certainly come back and discuss the issue if it's important, but you don't want to continue fighting. Perfectly reasonable point of view. And you do have to walk away because the other person is going to fire those comments at you that make it almost impossible to turn your back. Oh, that's right. Walk away just as things are getting interesting, just like you always do. Fine. Just let it go and come back to it when you can discuss things in a more mature and level way. The same approach is good for taboo topics. If there are sensitive areas like that, they probably need discussing, but not in the way that causes an argument. So choose your time. And it really is worth thinking about a specific time and place on a fairly regular basis. If this is a real issue, you can either do that with a therapist, but most couples are perfectly able to do it by themselves with goodwill and with a common need or a common desire to make things work. 
And when I'm talking about making things work, it's not necessarily about prolonging a relationship on, which is on the rocks. That comes later. The first thing is to learn to speak productively and civilly to each other without destroying each other and recognising that your emotional needs to win the argument, whatever it is, is driven by primitive instincts. It's never going to solve a problem for you. Cross-complaining is equally corrected by simply listening and responding to the complaint. It's much less painful, eventually, to acknowledge what your partner is saying. It's obviously important to them, and to apologise if necessary, than it is to keep up the harmful cycle of cross-complaining. When I'm doing this, I'm constantly getting this voice in the back of my mind with people screaming at me because I've heard the argument so often that people try and justify their anger and justify their fight. It's tragic to see the damage it does. And as I've said before, whether you're actually going to separate, divorce or whatever, or whether you're working to keep each other together, this is a stage before you get to that stage. Learn to be grown up enough to have proper conversations without mudslinging, without trying to destroy the other person. It's a personal responsibility to do that. You can blame the other person all you like, but you too are involved in it and you have the power to change it. So why not be good at doing that? It'll serve you well in future relationships if this one does eventually bite the dust. So I'm not necessarily making a case for staying together if it is unsavable. Although most relationships, in my experience, can be substantially improved and eventually saved if both people want to. And finally, feeling unheard. What do you do about that? Well, this is the big one. It causes so much grief in so many situations. As I've said before, you don't shout at another person when you know they're listening to you. Unless, of course, they're a long way away or there's a lot of ambient noise around you, like in the pub or something. One of the most important things you can do for yourself and for those who are around you is to learn to listen effectively. This, like many other skills here, these are transferable skills. You can use them in any situation. It's not just about relationships in your private life. It's also about your work relationships and your relationships elsewhere. These are good life skills to develop in yourself. So these have been five causes and five things you can do to correct them. What about when things get too hot to handle? It's difficult, if not impossible, to pull out of an argument in full swing, isn't it? If you can, here are three things, as I promised earlier, to actually break off, to, to call a halt, to maybe save the day. The first is to call a truce. Just to hold up your hand and say, look, we're not getting anywhere like this. We've been here before. I'm not blaming anybody. We're both responsible for this. Let's just stop now. And personally, what I would say is, when it's not an issue, at other times when you're getting on better, say, look, if you see me walking away from an argument, it's not because I'm walking away from the issue. It's not because I don't want to discuss it. I'm just walking away from fighting because I don't believe that will help us. It doesn't matter how bad you feel, you're not giving up or giving in or losing anything. In fact, you're gaining a lot. Simply, you're both agreeing to create a space to cool down, relax and recover from the stress of fighting and hopefully some time to get your head straight. Second, 
interrupter, if you like, is to be present in the here and now. If you think about two people fighting, two people arguing, it's very much about opposing forces. Attack, counterattack, attack, counterattack, escalate, escalate, escalate. What happens when one person simply stops attacking and starts listening and acknowledging? Now, it has been said by one uh, expert, Marshall Rosenberg, some years ago, that when you get uh, to a point where each of you can acknowledge the points the other one is making in such a way that the other one agrees that you've understood them, you're actually 20 minutes from some sort of resolution. Now, it's a bold claim, but the point is, and I've been a mediator for many years and a family therapist for almost 30 years now, is that when people start hearing each other, the problems begin to turn into things you can both work on rather than triggers for fighting. So be present in the here and now, learn to listen and acknowledge what your other person is saying, what the other person is saying. You're not giving in or you're not necessarily agreeing, but you're telling them that you've understood their point of view. And really, this is what goes to the heart of active listening or non-defensive listening, as it's called. And there are plenty, there's plenty of stuff on the web about how to do that. I have a course. I'll put the link in my blurb to this, this podcast. Uh, there's a course I do on listening, uh, but I'm not selling anything here. I'm simply telling you the best bit of advice in terms of marital relationships or other long-term relationships that you'll ever get, which is learn to listen effectively. You'll do yourself and the relationship a huge favour, and that will help you stay present in the here and now when you're in your conversations. And the third thing, I promised you three things. Seek first to understand. Now, think about this for a moment. When we're in a fight, when we're in an argument, we're very focused on our own needs. It's all about me, me, me. And it's all about getting our point across to the other person and waiting to see an indication that they've heard us, they've understood us, they agree with us. And of course, in an argument, they never do. If you think about wanting first to understand what the other person is saying, what you're actually saying to yourself is, hang on a minute, my focus of attention here has to be entirely on them. Subtle point here, but you're then focusing on something outside yourself, which actually is a, is a soothing mechanism anyway, because it gives you a point of focus. Hear their words, listen to the level of emotion, see what you can achieve together, be grateful for what you achieve together, build on the positives, aim to be the best people you can in your behaviour towards each other. Now, I know this seems like a tall order in the middle of a fight, but it is possible. I've seen it done. Of course, I do it myself because naturally I never have domestic disputes apart from the few domestic disputes I have. But seriously, it is the quickest way to start to calm things down and to gain control over your own emotions. And once you make that decision, that puts you in charge. You are then in control. You don't need two chickens with their heads cut off running around the farmyard. If one of you has your head screwed on, you have more chance of A, sorting yourself out and reducing your own stress levels and becoming better at mediating the conflict between you. Now, I've covered quite a lot of ground here and I don't want this to drag on and on and on. You can always email me if you have any questions and that's 
info at barrywimbolt.com. As I say in all these podcasts, I'm very happy to respond to that. But a few other tactics, and one that's usually overlooked because somehow people think this is a taboo subject in itself, apologise. Say you're sorry for the argument. You're not apologising for being responsible. I'm sorry we argued. I'm sorry you feel that way. I regret that we've come to this point. Show sincerely that you care and make the point that you are at least contrite for your part in the dispute. As I've said, walk away, another point, always worth knowing about. Best if you've laid the ground first. Don't wait for the other person to thank you for walking away. They probably won't if they're angry. You just have to go and take the insults with it. But it will give a break to the argument, which isn't going to solve anything. Learn to handle your own stress levels. If you're calm, you're going to be much better able to handle conflict. And conflicts arise in all relationships. The problem here isn't conflict. The problem is how we're discussing the disagreement. And because couples don't have an agreed mechanism for discussing things, which is both respectful and solution-focused, and helping them to come to some sort of useful compromise so that it doesn't tear the relationship apart. And underlying that, as I've often said, is somebody's needs somewhere. And there may be needs that arose in another relationship or in their upbringing. Not asking you to be an analyst, but just recognise that if you stay in the here and now, you learn how to handle your own stress, then you'll be better at doing this whole process. Above all, and this is a key, key point in personal development, but aim to be a person you can be proud of. One of the calming techniques I kind of discovered in my own life in a very stressful period when I was accompanying somebody in hospital at a very, very difficult time in their lives was to be able to stand back. And I was about to lose it one day when everything had gone wrong that day and we had the parking to deal with and I had to go out and feed the meter. The appointment was late and just as my clock was ticking and I needed to go and feed the meter, the consultant came out and said, right, I've got time for you now. And it was all getting a bit too much. Plus the children were with us and it was very uncomfortable. And I remember thinking, if there was a camera on the wall filming me now, I want to look back on this moment and feel proud of the way I conducted myself. So it's entirely a personal exercise, but it pulled me back from the brink. I didn't want their kid, my kids to see their dad losing it. I didn't want to let my partner down. And it was a, a mechanism which I've used time and again and recommended to others. Imagine there's a fly on the wall, documentary, whatever you want to call it. If this moment was recorded, how would you want it to be remembered? What would you want to record? And that can just help you pull back so that you are proud of the way you handle that moment of stress. In any relationship that's important to you, it's a good idea to agree what I'd call a Geneva Convention with the other person that lays down how you will handle disagreements when they arise, because they will. If you care passionately about communicating effectively, then it's worth knowing how to stop an argument. There are many other possibilities. For example, here are three I'm coming to in a moment, but I hope I've given you a flavour of some of the main possibilities here now. I just add that never ever let a dispute get hot and out of control. Agree in your convention that you walk away. 
make it clear when you do that you're not walking away from an important issue that needs discussing. You're walking away from the way it's being discussed. You'll be back at a more propitious time when you're both less stressed, when you have more time and when you've had time to think it over. And you may need to schedule that time so that you can discuss it. Second point is recognise that your emotional needs will not be met by continu continuing to fight. Even though it feels as if they will, arguments are often driven by a need for validation and understanding. And in a fight, neither side is capable of giving what's needed. It needs to calm down. Agreeing won't kill you. Apologising won't kill you. Suck it up, as my friend Phil taught me to say. Focus on calming yourself down and being the best person you can for the benefit of your relationship and for your love or care of the other person. And finally, never mind what you want. During an argument, focusing on protecting the dignity of the other person gives you a point of focus which will help reduce the stress and the conflict. This counterintuitive stance will give you something to focus on other than me, me, me. It takes two to start an argument, but as we all know, it only takes one to stop it. Arguments are not the problem. It's how are we going about discussing the problem that is causing the argument and concealing very often uh, the fact that there is something deeper that needs sorting out. Nobody said uh, successful relationships are easy. You have to work at it. You have to keep working at it. The points I've made mentioned in this episode are all valid. I've used them myself. I use them with clients all the time. They're all proven by research to be effective. A final little point here is just remember, remember that, as John Gottman said, the American marital researcher, 69% of the things you argue about have no solution. So, for example, what is the right way to bring up the children? What is the right bedtime for children? Of course, all of these things are different for each child and they're different in each couple's context. Those are just two examples. But we end up fighting about things where there's never going to be a clear answer anyway. It's probably a waste of time to argue for reasons completely other than the fact that it destroys your relationship eventually. And above all, it makes you so damned unhappy. So move on, grow up, get past it and learn to be a mature and responsible partner. And hopefully your partner can follow your example. If it has to bite the dust, if the relationship really has to end, it doesn't have to be done acrimoniously. It can be done at least civilly. Nobody is happy at times like that, but you don't have to spend your time point scoring and attacking the other person and fending off their attacks against you. So there you go. I hope some of this has been helpful. It's never easy to hear, but at the end of the day, we're all responsible for how we conduct ourselves in our relationships. We need to chuck blame out of the window and get on, take responsibility and build a successful relationship with somebody who deserves our love and attention. That's all from me for now for this episode. I'll just remind you that as I always do, I'll put a, a link in the 
uh, blurb to this episode so that you can download a text version of this. You'll be able to get hold of that in case you want to remember these points without going right through the episode again. Please remember to share it because I think this information is so important. Most arguments don't need to happen. They're not going anywhere and you're not going to win anything. You're only going to cause grief. On that cheerful note, I'll just say thank you very much for joining me. Over to you and have a happy year ahead.